That's right. We are back here at Tuesday's night at nine ish on time as always. <laughs> <laughs> Covering another episode of Star Trek Tuesday's nine. This is what episode number? I know it's season five. It is episode number eight. eight. Yes. <laughs> I don't have a banner. I'm not prepared. No, we're missing our producer tonight. <laughs> producer Dave is at the Leaf game, and he's not even a fan of the Leafs. He's a flamer. Uh, but that's okay. We won't hold that against him. Sometimes yeah. you just want to see them lose. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I'll t- maybe t- uh, tonight they're playing Seattle tonight. So first ever Seattle Kraken home uh, away game here. Uh, home game at the uh, for the Leafs. Uh, against the Kraken. So Dave taking it all in, but we're taking in the episode things past. It's all about Odo regretting the fact that he let three innocent people get murdered. And I guess he suppressed it. And he, he, he gets Cisco Dax and Garrick of all people to come along for the ride and kind of relive this traumatic event that occurred seven years ago. Um, join as always here we have our Bajoran workers Kevin and Ashley Millard appropriate that they found uh, found time in their day away from the ore processing uh, <laughs> uh, camp to join us to talk about this episode uh, how are you guys tonight? Good. good we just finished our soup we're ready to go well that's good soup uh, you got your soup uh, you know as, as long as there's no Cardassians around, I think you can mm-hmm. eat that soup. You, you know, I'm sure you ate that soup in peace. Um, okay. Uh, also joined by Jamil Robinson, the pop Funko master himself. Jamil, how are you? I'm all right. Um, I was working in Quarks, a.k.a. Um, uh, Davin's podcast, X-Rated. And um, man, one strip of latinum. Wow. Jeez, <laughs> that's it? Uh, was it a slip or a strip? Wasn't it a slip or was I think it was a slip? Slip. Well, he gave me the slip. Gave you the slip here over on X Rated, a sister podcast of the uh, of this network. Um, uh, over on Locutors of Trek. Well, Locutors of Trek is separate, at, like um, Super Mater Brothers is from Live Long and Podcast. Right. But they're all cousin podcasts, and they all come together, uh, you know, to form one great podcast community. Yes. A family. A family of podcasting, kind of like this episode where we have Odo having to deal with his demons and he him having to lead on his family, like Garrick and Dax and... Okay, they're <laughs> watching this episode. There's one thing I wanted to bring up where Dax has my favorite line, maybe, of this episode, where they're like, basically, this episode is Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Where they, they go back in time, but they're in, they're in different bodies. I guess in Hot Tub Time Machine, they're in their own bodies, but they look like the current version of themselves to each other but to everyone else they look like the past version of actually in this case different people they look like Bajorans Um, and at one point they like Garrick asked that question he's like well why can like you know if I'm a Bajoran why can you see me as a Cardassian 
and they ask Dax, the science officer, and she just says something to the effect of, I cannot process this anymore, or something. All out of speculation. Yeah, I'm all out of speculations. What a line! What a, <laughs> I, I, it was. What a, it's delivered beautifully. Um, That's like war. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. It's kind of like I'm dumb, and I have nothing to say about this. I know I'm the science officer. I know the. I know I'm the one you're supposed to go to for this. But like, look, I got nothing. Um, yeah. Uh, so like, all right. This episode is basically a character study of Odo, and then basically. At the beginning of the episode, everyone's kind of going like, "Oh no, you're the best! You're the greatest during the occupation. You, you, you know, you, you straddled both sides. You, you were able to get the Cardassians and the Bajorans to like you, and you were f- fair but firm. You were the sheriff. You were the, you know, you were the law, and you, you did your job and you did it well. Um, but then we start digging into what Odo really did and what how he had to." basically side more with the Cardassians than the Bajorans based in the position that he was in. And that was always something that I think it's funny how, when we look back at it, you know, we put rose colored glasses on, but the truth is always a lot more sinister than the way we remember history. Kevin and Ashley, is that how you kind of see this episode? It's kind of like a, this is the reality of history. And um, sometimes we like to forget about that. And and um, glorify certain people's roles. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely what it's about. It's about like Odo. Everybody looks at Odo as this paragon of virtue, right? He's all about justice and all about. But he fucked up. <laughs> he made a mistake, and uh, I think what the reason that that they end up where they are is because Odo has always felt guilty about that it's a it, it's 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 it wears on him well i think that's kind of the point too is like for a real psycho that you know that wouldn't wear on them you know i think yeah. that does show his humanity that does show odo's um the fact that he he was living through this occupation he was in a position of power and even though he tried his best most of the time to do the right thing there were times where he absolutely could not or did not and, ch- and chose not to, and he at least he regrets it. Jamil, is that kind of how you read this episode as well? Yep, it's the telltale heart. And we're seeing. Nevermore? Well, that's the raven. Uh, the telltale, <laughs> telltale heart. <laughs> um, just imagine, like, under the floorboards, there's a dead body there. And uh, he keeps looking at it, and you know he knows it's there everyone else doesn't and it's just wearing at him and that's where this episode takes us we're we're seeing him come to grips and seeing a, a situation that he he knows what's going to happen but he just can't he doesn't want to admit it but at the same time he can never escape it yeah i think um, I think that's appropriate. Like, I think that's kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of stories deal with this where basically if something traumatic has happened to her, you you feel guilt in a, in a very strong way that you can never outrun that. You can never basically put that behind a brick wall and, and, and that wall will never come crumbling down. It will come crumbling down at some point, but coming also to the podcast guys, we have Worf, son of Moke. Worf, how are you? 
I am Worf, son of Moog. How are you, Worf? I am very well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Are you ready to talk about this episode, season five, episode eight? Things past. You had a you had a minor part in this in this episode. Was my part good? <laughs> as good as you know, a wharf part could be. So excellent. Yes, I'm ready to review this episode. <laughs> oh, Warf, thank you, thank you. Well, so we have a comment here, Worf Son of Moog, from Dave Mater, and he says, Odo is a war criminal. Do you agree, Worf? Yes, and not a particularly good security officer. <laughs> not diligent. Do you think Odo should have been stricter, more harsh on some of the... Uh, you know, so you, you, when you first came to the station, we saw in the beginning of the season, uh, last season, sorry, uh, you said to Odo, you gotta, you gotta arrest people. You gotta, you know, kick some ass, take some names. And Odo wouldn't do that. He had his methods. Did these methods come back to bite him in this episode? Should have banned every Cardassian from the station. I, uh, that would have, that would have been a start. Although I don't know if that would have worked out for him. Um, there was only so she, one, but it needed to be done. Right. Garrick, who's in this episode. Yes. yes. You're, you're not a fan of Garrick. No. No. Why tell the okay. Why lie when you can tell the truth? It makes no sense. It does make no sense. I mean, yeah, just get to the point. Worf. Garrick is also a, a war criminal. Right. Right. But he would like to be remembered as... Kira is know, also a war criminal. Hello, that Dave is at the Leafs game listening to our podcast. Captain Sisko <laughs> is also a war criminal. Okay, Captain Sisko. Okay. Who in this episode is not a war criminal? Dax? Who's Dax? Dax. <laughs> Dax was not a... War criminal in this particular lifetime. And right. Uh, Zia. But yes. Ezri, definitely a war criminal. Yes. Right. Okay. Thank you, so Warf Son of Moog. Um, <laughs> we're moving on to um, Dave also says here, Bashir is still not a changeling. I disagree. I think he's He's been a changeling all along since the beginning of season five. And it's scandalous, but it's true. Um, okay, so all right, the one of the things I do really like about this episode is that we get to see some Terok Nor. We get to see what it was like. So basically, apparently they had no lights um during the occupation. Light lighting was expensive. Um, so I guess they just went with the glow of the the Bajoran moons that's what lit up the station i'm not i'm confused but you know what's up with that does anyone have a comment about why everything is lit, lit so darkly here in the past it's only seven years before blow it up on moon right it is it's seven years before and it's evil it's an evil place and an evil time so therefore it must be dark right that's it you should have banned every Cardassian off the station. 
Tarok Noor. Tarok Noor. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know if Ducat was going to do that. He was in charge. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the the best episode ever. <laughs> um, but it is interesting because uh, we have yeah you know here with Garrick, Dave saying yeah it's the best name tag ever. Elam Garrick, former Cardassian oppressor. Garrick wasn't he didn't like that too much. He would have preferred you know Elam Garrick, Cardassian spy, master spy maybe even. Um, he, he liar and <laughs> but his dwarf, his septal capillaries were burst. Like when you know he's bleeding from the head. Like I don't. We I think we need to show some sympathy here toward Elam Garrick. A Klingon has backup capillaries. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> he went. <laughs> he thought he was injured. You yes. know, so right. So he might manifest a tumor of some kind. So if uh, they if they die in the past, they die in the present. Is this the Matrix? Maybe. It kind of feels like a little the bit. Matrix. Yeah, it's pretty. Oh, I mean, yeah, maybe the or Matrix. Have to unplug them. It's the goo matrix. It's the goo matrix. Oh, it's goo matrix. <laughs> it is. It's not the goo lake this time. It's just the goo matrix. Yeah, this episode definitely has some <laughs> some ladies. Um, I just love that Dave has enough time to post at least four comments. Um, <laughs> well, it is the late. Well, it is the it's a great without honor. honor. Um, there will be no glory on the ice. I love that generally men go to like family functions or out to these things and they have like secret earphones with like the game playing and he's at a game and he's got like a secret earphone playing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) He's got an earbud in. He's got an earbud in listening to podcasts. Yeah. And it's out of nowhere. He like, you know, there's a, a quiet in the leaf game and he goes, Elam Garrick was a war criminal. That's <laughs> 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 uh, good. Um, but he also okay, so we get to see like some of the backstories here of who they're um yeah, I guess like inhabiting here. Um so we find out that uh uh, Garrick is an artist and he's from Macantha province and he says he must have been incorrigible. In, no, incredible? Uh, what does he say? Incorrigible. Incorrigible. No courage. And his, <laughs> 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 his name is Jalur Geta and the constable is uh, and then Odo figures it out uh, a bookkeeper 46 years old he has two, a wife and two sons from Rokantha province, and his name is Timor Landy. Sounds like a Finnish guy. Um, some of the Bajoran names. We finished. Have a Finnish ring. Yeah, the Bajoran Finnish. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. So, why doesn't Odo at this point 
tell like tell them what's going on <laughs> like he waits quite a while that's when we have cork kind of come in here and be like hey i'm gonna put you to work working at my bar and we get to kind of see what cork was like during the occupation which i don't yeah. think we've ever got to see before here cork is uh it seems to me that cork is really influenced by his surroundings the type of person he's gonna be is gonna be he's gonna fit in with his surroundings mm -hmm. he's adaptable yeah yeah like i think no matter what cork finds himself in he's going to try and find a way to um you know like yeah like you wouldn't want to be in a situation like this with cork he will turn you yeah he, he'll, he's not your, he's he, not, yeah, he'll he'll not find very loyal whatever situation he's in he'll find a way to exploit it he'll exploit as much as he can get away with yeah Worf, do you concur that cork is not to be trusted a liar and a thief <laughs> he pours out very poor prune juice yeah well i mean uh, the least he could do is keep some fresh prune juice on, on station for you but he just gives you the replicated I, stuff i said chill <laughs> you did and it's too you know, cold on the enterprise i was considered quite humorous <laughs> this is dave Dave Vader saying, I must be incorrigible. All right. Dave Vader has courage. Dave Vader has courage. <laughs> Dave Vader, would Dave Vader make a good worker in Quark's establishment? He is, you know, it's 12 hours of work, two five minute breaks. One slip of Latinum. <laughs> um, what are you really going to do in the five minutes? I know, right? Like, I, there's no smoke breaks, you know, in the 20, 24th century here. I don't think so. I mean, really, what's, what are you gonna, yeah, what are you gonna do? They didn't, Chapter they weren't strong enough to form a union. Right. Oh my God, don't bring me back to the union episode. I will always bring you back. <laughs> back. He's still, you know what, like, work, even though he's, you know, He's still kind of nice, you know, like he's well, not nice, but like he's like he's pleasant, even though he's basically, you know, doing this forced labor amongst these Bajorans. He's kind of a bad guy. I mean, most of the people in any sort of position of authority here are really not great people. And the thing is, is this completely true to reality or is it kind of the way Odo sees, the, you know, that time period like it's uh, how should we read this episode jameel that's uh you bring up a very good point um are we considering that the galdicott that we are introduced to the um looking for a friend the poet um i shouldn't say poet but like looking for a friend trying to do what's best for the bajorans is that really Goldicott or is that Odo's perception of him? And I think it is more on the latter rather than the former. Mm -hmm. And um, which to me is a lot more interesting to think that Odo felt that Goldicott isn't all bad, especially at this point. And at, he felt that there was the uh, person was redeemable. He was he was trying to do the very best in a very difficult situation, which um, I think rings true to um, Odo's character. So, okay. I'm not 100 convinced that that is what Odo thinks, though, because Galdukat 
all the way through Deep Space Nine, continues to say that he was just trying to do what was best for the Bajorans. That is something, that is propaganda that he is constantly saying. So we have no idea what actually happened with Gul Dukat and anyone behind closed doors because these are Odo's memories. So this is probably what he's imagining went on. And he knows Gul Dukat, everything that comes out of his mouth is trash like he doesn't tell the truth he spins things for himself to make himself look better and he said multiple times through the whole series that he was just trying to do his best for the drawings he was keeping them safe he was but he wasn't and we know that so i don't know if if odo really believes that he was redeemable but he knows that that's shit that he used to say all the time yeah so, i think maybe I think, something he believed at the time it's possible, but this is this is Odo's memories, not what was really happening at the time. It's possible that Odo believed that at the time, for sure. Okay, which would make sense because it seems like, for sure, that even Dukat believes his own bullshit sometimes. Yeah, you know, like well, and Dukat believes his own bullshit all of the yeah. time. Right, but he like at us. Sometimes I think he knows it's bullshit, but well, the majority of the time, I think he just completely believes it. And he's just writing it, and he's, he, you know, until it's not until the guy gets called on it that he he starts to actually think about it and go, oh, maybe maybe you're right, but then I have to, then he's in denial, you know. Yeah. So I think yeah, when he's in that position of authority and power, he just kind of um, goes unchecked, and and that's like vastly what we see here during this time period in Terragnor. Every time, every episode, they go back to this time period where whether it's Kira's mom or any of those episodes, he's always, like, just drunk on authority. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that's kind of what you get here. Worf, would you be drunk on authority in the same spot that Dukat is in? A Klingon can hold his blood wine. Kira's <laughs> mother is also a war criminal. <laughs> but you see you see the same, the same thing uh, when he starts the cult, too. He gets drunk on that power on the control over everyone when he starts the cult on Empachnor mm -hmm. later on in the series right right um dave has a comment here i only work at quarks to obtain chemicals to make devices to assassinate ducat oh so it was dave that tried to assassinate ducat yes because that was that was like the fourth attempt on. Yeah, Dave, do better next so, time. Dave is the war criminal. Do, do not fault. Dave's fault that those uh, innocent people were murdered. It's it sounds like it. Um, I think if you know, try harder next time, and um, <laughs> maybe you'll succeed. I, I mean, reach for the stars. That's you know all those things. And they will uh, sing songs of your tales. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nobody sings songs. <laughs> Nobody sings songs for people who failed. You must succeed. No, it's true. Terrible songs. Um, why, Worf? Why is it that all Klingon songs end in tragedy of some sort? Some end in battle, like this little ditty. <laughs> Everyone came up to
All right. Thank you for that little ditty. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So (laughs) with this episode, um, Kevin and Ashley, what do you make of like the way, like, like is Cisco and Dax and Garrick truly there? Or is that again, like, like I know they're kind of like in this matrix type idea, but sometimes, like, when we got to the end of the episode, I kind of had, like, a, a thought in my head where I was like, oh, is that, like, was that truly them helping him out throughout this episode? Or was it kind of just memories or, like, um, some sort of um, projection of Odo's? Like, Odo was kind of using their brains. Do you know what I mean? Like, because, like, they would disappear and then they would come back. And then is that, is that how you kind of saw it, too? Or is, or is it, like, or Cisco, Dax, and Garrick actually there? I don't think they were actually there and it wasn't purely memories either. It was this phenomenon that linked them together. And because this is what Odo was thinking about right before this happened, when they were singing his praises about how fair he was during the occupation, that this started to play out. And that's why when they tried to escape and then they reset back, that's why that was happening was because Odo knew that's not how it really happened. So it had to snap back so it could play out as it happened. Yeah. And they're like, I think they're experiencing um, a form of the great link. Yeah. Right. Like you can't really change what happened. So they're not really there. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, okay. So we all saw that kind of the same way. Um, Worf, who's that guy helping you clean you up? Uh, Mr. Hong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> seems like a nice guy. Doesn't say much. No, <laughs> but he wouldn't dare give you a non-chilled glass of prune juice. No, no, and they are tall glasses. He is a very tall man. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He, he wouldn't want to mess with him. Um, no. Kind of like you wouldn't want to mess with Ducat here in this episode. He's he's clever. Talk. He, um, he, he has... Do I smell a piece of rotting foreshack in here? <laughs> <laughs> you might. Uh, mm. I don't know what's going on over there, uh, but uh, what I'm trying to say about Ducat is he he's a worthy foe. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, I'm trying to do a segue here. I'm trying to figure out what, where we go here. Can we talk a little bit about what happens Dax? next in the plot? Dovacol. Okay, well, my video file is not cooperating with me. Um. One sec. Okay. okay. So, yeah, go ahead. So, um, just bef- so they end up in, um, you know, Terraknor, and mm-hmm. they're kind of grasping at the situation that they're they're in, and um, before they can kind of figure out who they are, uh, Goldicott shows up, or a representative Goldicott, and takes, um takes Dax away. Um, Garrick tries to um, intervene um, and 
in doing so is struck by the attendant um, and is knocked over. Dax gets led away and we learn that Garrick has access to uh, the um, control pad, took it off of the guard, and that's when he's able to uh, get the um, the name information for the um, the workers, the three workers that they are. Um, Odo reveals that he he knows who these people are because it's a memory, and they start realizing that there might be some inconsistencies in what Odo said versus what is what they're experiencing right now. I think we're caught up, Jeff. This is yeah. where we're at. Okay, so then what ends up happening after that is Dax gets taken to. Ducat's office. Um, and he needs a friend. Did you find her fear uncharacteristic? Like she's trembling and... She was playing that up. Okay. I felt like this entire time when I was watching the Dax with Ducat stuff, I was like, this was written for Kira. And then, like, they couldn't use Kira, you know, because she was you know, just like yeah. on leave or whatever. I felt like this whole thing was supposed to be for Kira. And, and so, but they used Dax instead and she's good. And like, you know, you get a little di different uh, insight, but th they loved using Kira in this exact role with Dukat. So she talking about the occupation and everything about it was just unusual kind of to see Dax in this role. And I kind of like it because it's different. Uh, but at the same time, like, she just kind of uh, she doesn't let um, Dukat bother her as much as Kira, but at the same time, like you're right, like she kind of like forces those emotions in her performance because I think it that's what the script called for. Uh, you know, is that that's making sense? Did you guys read that the I mean, same it's way? A, it's a good performance. Yeah, I think Dax is smart enough to know that when she's taken to Dukat's to play her role <laughs> as mm -hmm. this Bajoran that is brought to and. Because as soon as she finds a spot to knock him out and get away, she does. And she's back to being Dax. So she was just, she was playing that role. Right. So Ducat says that, you know, bad manners are the fault of the parent, not the child. And, you know, and then he says his problem, his biggest problem, guys, is that he's too generous, too forgiving. <laughs> and that's when he gets hit right across the head by Dax. Right. Um, and she says, and your ego is too big as well. You know, does it seem like um, he could have went to know him is to love him. <laughs> like it was, it was yeah. coming close to that. Yes. <laughs> also, uh, Dukat loves like uh, Mark Alimo loves using, like when he says the word heart, it's heart. Or like, he always says it a certain way. Um, and I always enjoy it every time he says mm -hmm. it. I'm like, I, I, I eat it up because, like, he really like it's very Shakespearean, and I always enjoy it. Um, Warf, what you... two hearts, right? Uh, they do, Did you know, on the uh, Enterprise, I was considered quite amusing, <laughs> <laughs> right? Take this Klingon note, for example, where does <laughs> Klingon keep his leftovers? Because what? Ziplock. That's <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably maybe why they thought you were so funny. They didn't understand you, so they just laughed along anyway. <laughs> mm. Ziplock. <laughs> um, I don't see Cisco. You know, I don't see him having the same reaction. 
<laughs> Riker would find it very amusing. He told us at the beginning of the show, he's not Picard. Speaking of which, Worf, question for you. Who yes. do you like more as a superior officer, Picard or Cisco? Picard. Why? Is he nicer? Captain he did Cisco yell. Is a war criminal. Right. But Picard said you were. away with murder, though. Like, Picard... literally. Picard called you a coward. Yes, but if, if he was any other man, I would have killed him where he stood. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's the ultimate show. Which I guess back. must include Captain Cisco. <laughs> Cisco called Therefore. Jean-Luc Picard is my favorite superior officer. Okay, Unless great. you count the Riker. <laughs> the Riker. Well, the Riker. The Riker. Well, yeah, he definitely, he helped you out in a few jams. He knows how to have a glorious Klingon time. And he also considers me quite amusing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He likes, and he'll play poker with you. He will. Can't say that of Cisco or Picard. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Riker is the best superior officer. Take the Klingon joke for example. What does a Klingon hairstylist often say? What? It is a good day to die. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Boom! Like a Klingon dad joke. I like that one. Oh wait, yeah. Where if you are a Klingon dad? Yes. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> he can still tell dad jokes, though. <laughs> Alexander Roshenko. I don't know if he would have found that joke funny. <laughs> he wouldn't get it. Alexander is not funny. <laughs> no, no, he is not. He's very serious. Every time you see him, he's 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 always upset about something. Um. Okay. So then Dax breaks out uh, Cisco, uh, Garrick, and Odo out of the holding cell because she's just gone away from Ducat. Have after they're hitting him over the head. Um. Then this happens throughout the episode where like they. Like they're like, okay, we're gonna get out of this, and you still think it's real, like a real world situation. You think they're actually back in time, but they're not. They're in their minds, but you know. So like w when they like they break out of the cell, and then they're 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 you know they're going after Ducat's personal runabout, and that's their whole plan. And they they run into you know some obstacles. They get into a fight scene here with some um, with some Cardassians, which was interesting. Like we you know, we have like the whole moment here where Garrick's waiting to shoot. Cardassian, and you're like, oh, is he going to do it? And then he does. Uh, you know, uh, Cisco's wrestling with another Cardassian. Too bad, Worf. He would have been really good oh. here in this scene because we could have seen some some Worf. Worf is we could have seen every you... scene. Worf is he is, but he would have seen. He's especially good in the fi the fight scenes, and I think you would have done well here. Those are good Klingon martial arts moves there. <laughs> That's how you do a fight scene on Star Trek. But I must leave you now, Jeff of House Nine-ish. Okay, thank you, Worf, son of Moog. Thanks for popping in. It was a great 
getting to talk to you about this great episode of Star Trek. Good day to you all. It is a good day to die. Your hair. <laughs> Worf, so funny. Thank you, Worf. Quite amusing. <laughs> Quite amusing. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I enjoyed that. Um, that was, uh, you know, no, he's no Dave Mater, but uh, he brings a different energy than producer Dave. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, uh, this episode here, so then, yeah, they try to break free, and then all of a sudden, uh, one of the Cardassian guys turns into a changeling and goes up into the the, the ceiling, uh, you know. And what happens, you're kind of like, oh, okay, what's going on here? Is this, is this like some sort of, like, the, the changelings or the founders are, are screwing with Odo's mind? Like, what's going on here? Again, this, again you know, it wouldn't be a surprise, you know. And right? we're, already, we're already confused about his character, because they he was the original head of security who was supposed to have been gone two years prior yeah exactly he is great played by kurtwood smith kurtwood smith has got to have a lot of characters like, yeah he's got to be up there with jeffrey yeah Collins he's for... in he's in star trek a lot is yeah so that's him as the cardassian guy yes yeah, yeah where he said you know he says i know what are you yeah. going to do about it odo like that he's that guy Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I didn't recognize him, but now that you say that's him, yeah, that is definitely him. Um, yeah, so uh, with the, with, I like this episode because it's it's kind of like, you know, you got to figure it out. It's a little bit like a, like a Sherlock Holmes, you know, detective. That's always the auto episodes are kind of like this, where it's like yeah. a mystery and you got to figure them out. And I always enjoy auto episodes because they're not you know straightforward they're kind of um yeah like it it makes the audience uh think about what's going on and and how almost like a problem that needs to be solved um and and also with that morality and and rules of law and and justice and all these different kind of uh, concepts come in throughout his episodes um like Jamil, what what do you make of like how Odo starts to try to like contemplate what's going on? Once, especially, uh, yeah, he's talking to the Kurtwood Smith character here, and then he figures out like, oh, okay, you know, I am stuck in something, or something's going on that's not quite right. Um, very good question. It's it's one of those episodes where we kind of realize, okay. There, it's not back in time because it's not lining up. Uh, so this interpretation is is really weird, and it seems like they don't have control over it, right? And as we continue on, we see Odo's agitation with what's happening, and and it it seems very focused on his emotions and his feelings about what's going on. Um, it's. I, I kind of wish they left that um, the um, the changeling part earlier on before they went back in the cell because it kind of muddies the water a little bit narratively wise. Um, it didn't need to be there. It didn't even matter once they reset things. It, we right. didn't need well, to. But they're adding it's it's Odo himself adding little clues into the story because there was the head of security is a changeling. Also at one point 
I think it's when they're sitting down to have the soup at, in the Bajoran area, he ha literally has blood yeah. on his hands. So they're dropping little clues through the episode. But I felt that if part of the story was that he escaped as a changeling, that would have been one thing. But the fact that that escape never happened. So if they showed that Kurt Smith's character as a changeling, like in a different part and not this make-believe section, I felt mm -hmm. that would have that would have been okay. a lot, a, a lot yeah, okay. clearer in terms of his messaging. So it's it's not the yeah yeah you're absolutely right. It's not the fact that he uh, Kurt Whitsmith was a changeling. It was a, a changeling in that specific sequence, and that, that he looked issue. and that he looked like a Cardassian. I thought was interesting too. Like they didn't make him once they revealed that he he was a changeling. It would have been cool to make Kurt Whitsmith look like Odo, and then like the you know. But I think that reveal need to be later on as opposed to at that exact moment because there was still more of the revelation to go. Yeah. Right? So, yes, but later on, possibly, right? But then it would have lessened the impact and clues of him being a changeling. So, earlier on, right? And then later, right? So, Ashley, you're spot on. You know, good job. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, then we get this whole moment, like, once Kurt Smith kind of has this whole interrogation, and he calls him Odo, and then it kind of, like, flashes again, and it goes into this moment where, like, you know, the three people get a, get executed, but he saves it from being Garrick, Dax, and Cisco, and then it flashes again, and then it shows the actual, um, you know, the actual Bajorans that were assassinated. Uh, on the promenade and that and they kind of show odo like they he looks so different like when, when they show him during that the actual assassination or the executions um he's got like the hood on like he looks so different like he looks like almost like uh i don't know like 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 a conciliary like he doesn't look like he's in charge he you know i think that's on purpose because he you know that that's how he views himself i feel like um and and but he but that's the guilt too with him like he should have done something that you know because he says throughout this episode you know check the ballistics and check this and check that and you know and stop being stupid and you know this is what you should have done and you know you let these people die for nothing and and, and it pains him you know it's like it's like a cop that you know let let it get away you know like let let a case get away and and couldn't couldn't get over it uh you know that's kind of how i see um his guilt in this episode he, uh, he probably mulled over all of the facts over and over over and over again so even mm -hmm. though not necessarily all of those things could be true right it's like why didn't you look into more that could have led you down the path to understanding that like these weren't the the culprits right he had a billion and one reasons why there should have been further investigations and the fact that it was so easily blown off was his character who felt so right and so righteous and right and and that's so it's it, he feels like he's getting nowhere because he's getting nowhere with what himself but i think yeah. it helps it helps highlight his youngness too because yeah. we've heard multiple times about how young he is and 
he was he this is this is what this was a turning point for him this is where he learned a lesson this is odo being in his 30s and looking back at the stupid stuff that he did in his early 20s and going oh my god i can't believe i did that so this is this is a turning point for odo to become sort of the detective that we could we always say he's a great detective but not super great at security look <laughs> you're standing right next to those people and they all died <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Which we're going to talk about in the end when Kira confronts him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. But, like, you know, so, like, I think, yeah, what Jamil said is, is spot on that he thought that, um, you know, this this would never happen to him. The sense of self-righteousness when he was young, like Ashley was saying, too, like that, 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 and then once it did and he's looking back on it and how, yeah, how young and how dumb he was. Uh, but he's also looking at it with the benefit of hindsight, like, you know, and also I, the thing about this episode that I find interesting and maybe Kevin, you can speak to this is that like, I think Odo gets off the hook here. Like, yeah, like, yes, he's, he feels responsible, but the audience member, I feel, I feel like don't, I don't know. I feel like, well, the Cardassians were the bad guys and they're the ones who executed them. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that kind of part kind of let, lets him off the hook as well. well. They have to do that because you, you, they have to, you have to like this character going forward. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I think, I think what, what this and what Deep Space Nine does so well is it shows that in every conflict, every war, nobody, no matter what side you're on, walks away unstained from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and everybody does things that they regret that are, are not, maybe not good, but, sometimes necessary i mean this is not a case of necessary but <laughs> just like that's just what occurs during occupations and wars yeah. and, and, and it's you know not necessarily it, it affects everyone everyone yeah. and it's not necessarily somebody's individual fault but at the same time uh the emotions are absolutely you know take over you yeah. and and definitely affect yeah. you and and have a cascading uh, effect on everyone around you uh you know, I, I was, yeah and i was actually when you guys were talking about um the kurtwood smith character and being a changeling i was thinking yeah this is this is odo's brain making it this other yeah right character because he doesn't want to reveal what he did he can't he's hiding yeah he and, did. and but his brain is telling him like you were basically a cardassian Yes. But no. what I what I wonder watching this is even if Odo had done all those he looked at the ballistics, he looked, he re-examined the Cardassian reports, he did all of that stuff he said that needed to be done. Yeah. Would the Cardassians have even listened to him? Or would they have still have executed those Bajorans just to make an example of them? Yep. I don't I don't believe that the Cardassians would have gone, oh, you're right. It definitely I think they still would have shot them. No, they would have said find who did it. But yeah. they'll no, still they would they would still shoot the people or these people are gonna pay for it. Yeah. I, I think Ashley, once again, save wavelength. I think that also this is an important part of establishing his rule of law with the Cardassians as well because mm -hmm. of how curt and straightforward he is in terms of the execution that th you had to, as a Cardassian, look at him and say, he is on our side or he is swift to find 
um, and deal out justice that of our expectations, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when he pulls back after that revelation, right, he still has that respect already earned on the the Cardassian side, and he builds up that respect on the Bajoran side. So the end result is the legend that is Odo, yeah. fair and neutral, right? But right. they don't know what the catalyst was for that change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's appropriate. I, I think with Odo, too, like, it's just... It's kind of... Let's get to the, the next scene where, where Kira comes in um, and talks to him, because I do think that is kind of what we're getting at here too that kira kind of comes in and says you're the one guy we all thought was different and we all thought you you know you ran by a moral code and yeah but like he worked for the cardassians like you know at the end of the day like that like like i don't you know you, even if like like if you look at it, like the nazi germany or whatever which is very often compared to this and you had a jewish per security officer and they were they tried to told like straddle that line. At a certain point, atrocities were going to occur, you know, uh, be just because of the the surroundings of what was occurring. Yeah. And, and and at a certain point, you can have the best intentions, but you're going to um, like. There's a theory like no matter what organization you join, say you join the police force or you join an army or whatever, and you go in with the best of intentions and you want to change that 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 goliath institution and you want to make a difference almost no matter what by the time you're you know five years in or whatever amount of time you will be indoctrinated into that that group that authority structure mm -hmm. and and so i think that's a uh, a kind of what odo's also like a victim of here like he's he he, he does have the best of intentions but at the same time he's there's almost nothing you can do. Like you get to a point where it's just you're doing your job and, 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 you know, you work for ruthless people and, you know, you just have to, you just have to, it seems like, you know, like, or else, you, you know, maybe even more people are going to get killed or maybe, you know, you can't always do your job right in these kind of circumstances because it's almost impossible. You know, that's what it seems like to me, but that, that's what I find interesting about where, when Kira comes in here, I think she actually handles this scene very well. Like, um, you know, she says to Odo, um, you know, like, I thought, you know, like, you know, he, he, she basically says to him, like, you know, what do you have to say for yourself? And he says, I'm guilty. What else is there to say? And she says, you know, nothing or maybe a lot, you know, maybe there's a lot to be said here because, you know, you know, we, I believed in you. We all believed in you and you were supposed to be the special person and, you know, I'm willing to at least listen to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, outcast you in one fell swoop. Like what, Kevin and Ashley, what did you make of this scene? Like, did you, you kind of see this the way I kind of see it too? Like where it's, I, I think she actually comes at it with a lot of grace and a lot of um, understanding here in this scene, which I actually really enjoy. Uh, yeah. Do you see it that way? I, I think Kevin and I, differ on how we see this scene based on what he said to me i yeah see it as some as she's coming in and it's like the balloon has burst and she's trying to process this new information of someone that she kind of had up on a pedestal mm -hmm. and but she does like she, 
she says at the end, like she's honest with him and she's like, I, I don't know what to think. But then at the end she does say, you know, none of us were innocent. We all made mistakes in this. Right. So, and that's what Kevin was saying earlier is it doesn't matter what side you are on. Everyone's going to do something that they regret. Yeah. I thought she was kind of harsh on him given what, what she had Has done, done. Yeah. during, during right. the war and, and the occupation. So that's all I, I do, doesn't she say like, tell me that this is the only one or the only time. And he's like, I, I can't like I don't know. Yeah. Delhi uh, these were the only innocents. Yeah. And, and he was a, like, I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. Yep. I think that that that's important because I think it's this episode is bookended by two different things where at the beginning it's like, Oh, Odo, you were the best. You really yeah. knew how to straddle the line and you were the you know, you were you made the best out of a chaotic situation and like you know, that line's brought up quite a few times. And I think, you know, he, you can tell on his performance, especially at the beginning, like he knows that's bullshit. And and I think that's a great way to explain like like all right, like if we look at certain heroic figures, um, you know, from history, like all right, I can show you one. I got one right here. You know, this is Douglas MacArthur, okay. He was a very, you know, a lot of people look at him as a very big hero, a general uh, in World War II. But he's also responsible, you know, for a lot of atrocities, you know, in, in, in Asia, uh, you know, during that time. You know, but he was also very good strategically and, and had, a, a, you know, he has a lot of great quotes. But, you know, like this is the thing about putting war heroes on pedestals, like what Kevin said. They're all guilty of something at a certain yeah. point. It's inevitable. So, Jamil. How did you, how did you uh, read this last scene here with Kira? Uh, you're absolutely right. Everyone did a great job of eloquently um, stating the facts. Um, Kira shouldn't ask him that question because the amount of people that stood beside Odo and died. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Were they only innocent? <laughs> was that the only innocent? Really? No. He's starting to feel yeah. like that's no, where Odo is most at home. <laughs> you should it's, it's, it's what Odo does best. Standing beside people who die. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, it's, I feel that she's kind of a hypocrite in terms of, like, uh, not even just a hypocrite. She's kind of foolish in that regard because the, the things that she did to survive, she, she has come to grips with that, that situation. Um, you would think she would have a little bit of understanding of what he has had to do as well. Right. Um, in a position of power where it's so easy to, to go in one direction or the other. So him walking away at the end of a war um, with the respect of both sides, you're damn right. He's been pretty fair. I think if, if we're looking at it that way. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way to put it, Jamil. Like, I, th I, I, I could see how people look at Kira that way, like, like that she's a hypocrite. But at the same time, I think to me, it's like she was like, I get why they write her the way she they do because she was a, the resistor. She she looked up to people uh, as uh, you know as heroes that we're able to straddle that line too of, you know, being friendly to the Bajorans, but also being able to at least help out the, you know, the Bajorans, but talk to the Cardassians at the same time. 
you know um and i think that's why oda was on he was the man of justice and was you know doing the right things the right thing looking out for the little guy the bajoran so i understand like the betrayal like, i understand like why she feels that way but i like i said i think she comes at it with a a great deal of understanding in this conversation even though she's a little judgmental i i, I see somebody that's willing to listen um in this scene so i actually quite enjoyed i thought like again it was very powerful like you guys were saying that's kind of always where Kira goes first, right? Like even when, even in the episode with her mother, she's like, she was a collaborator and she would like, so she always goes there first, but, uh, but yeah, it comes around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She she has, she takes, she has quite a few learning experiences about the, about the occupation and about the resistance. She even, at, uh, in a bunch of different instances is willing to listen to Ducat explain himself. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, she doesn't like the answers like, and rightfully so, <laughs> but, but, but she's absolutely willing to hear him out in, uh, uh, you know, so I always find Kira, even though she's quick to be judgmental, uh, she's also um, gets to a point where she's willing to like, actually listen and figure out the situation and, and the history, which, you know, I commend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we are ready to get to some double F with Jeff. Um, okay. We were practicing. <laughs> uh, okay, so I've got the fun facts right here, ready to go. Fresh off the, the press, Dave is probably listening to this and not watching the third period. Okay, uh, this Oh, oh, first we got to put up a quote, though, a comment from Dave. Dave says, Dukat says his weakness is that he's too kind to the Bajorans. His role model was Putin. <laughs> okay. Are yeah, the, possible. The Cardassians are Russians, and the Bajorans are Ukrainians. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, all right. First fun fact. This is the first appearance of Elam Garrick since the fourth season uh, episode uh, Broken Link, uh, where he was sentenced to six months in prison for sabotage and assaulting Worf. I should have brought that up to Worf. Uh, apparently, this episode is set six months after the aforementioned episode. So, okay. So that's why we haven't seen Garrick in a hot minute. Uh, you know, you think Worf would have brought for attempted genocide, right? <laughs> for attempted genocide, right? Um, you think Worf would have brought that up in this episode, um, but he, I don't think he does. He didn't have any scenes with him, so it's okay. Right. right. Um, Captain Lavara, a Romulan smuggler, was named after Lavar Burton uh, uh, of the Next Generation. Direct, he directed this episode as a way of getting his name into the show. Lavar. <laughs> Interesting way. Lavar. Okay. I guess close enough. Okay. Um, in this episode, Worf refers to Runabout Pad 1. In all the other episodes, Runabout Pads are identified by letter, yes. not number. Yes. So clearly, Worf doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Uh, we have to get him back to, t- to answer him, <laughs> to answer to this. Okay. Uh, this episode was directed by LeVar Burton, uh, Jordy. Uh, uh, this is also not Kurtwood Smith's first appearance with the Star Trek franchise. He, before this, had played uh, the Federation president in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and he also played Anorax in two episodes of Star Trek Voyager oh, in man. the Year of Hell. 
he's he's, he's great in that. He is great in that episode. Um, okay, tri-nitrogen chloride is correctly named chlorine azide per IUPAC naming protocols. It is known for explosive decompos- decomposition under specific circumstances into associated compounds. Okay. Okay. Uh, this takes place in 2373. This is the first time a character uses the pejorative spoonheads in reference to, to the Cardassians, taken from the, the resembling design on their forehead. Spoonheads. Yeah, I love Gareth's reaction. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Robocop reference here in this episode. Kurtwood Smith Thrax is one of seven actors to appear in the Star Trek franchise. Okay. I didn't, Interesting. Okay. It's, um, this episode has thematic resonance with the second season episode, Necessary Evil. Both mm-hmm. evoke Odo's memories of life on Tarak Noor to reveal a dark secret from the occupation. While Necessary Evil explored dark deeds of Kira's that she had kept hidden from Odo, Things Past reveals a shameful guilt of Odo's that he had kept hidden from her. Mm-hmm. The final scenes of each episode, both depicting Kira and Odo standing at opposite sides of Odo's desk, while with one trying to come to terms with the actions of the other are hauntingly similar. Mm. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that episode, but yes. Uh, Dax springing Cisco, Odo, and Garrick from the holding cell is very similar to Scotty doing the same for Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in The Final Frontier. Uh, especially the shot of her head poking through the hole and delivering a clever line. Mm-hmm. So that's a little homage to that movie. Um to Did she bump her head on a bulkhead on her way out, though? Right. <laughs> and also, too bad they didn't sing Row, Row Your Boat at the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, it's not too bad. <laughs> you wait till the the credits start rolling before you make, make that not too bad comment. It's still time. Let's <laughs> not. Let's um, see happen. The identity of the majority woman whom Dax assumes is never revealed. Yeah, because they right. They only risked the he was three already, people. He was already taken away. He was yeah. already taken away. Garrick's unconscious body has a nosebleed when he receives a punch to the nose as part of a simulation. Nearly three years later, the same idea would be used in The Matrix. Interesting that we speaking. We called this episode The Matrix. After Neo experiences virtual combat in a simulation, he discovers real bleeding in his mouth upon leaving the simulation. I think there's a lot of comparisons to from of this episode to the Matrix, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of so. interesting uh, that this episode precedes it by two years. Um, and okay, and finally, Ishan Shay, Garrick's character, was born in 2328. Jalur Guerta, Cisco's character, was born in 2311. And Timor Landy, Odo's character, was born in 2320. All died in the year 2366, the year this story takes place. And that is it. Um, I think Dave sent over a, ra- a radiance chart or whatever. Do you need he did, yeah. I have to bring it up. It's true. Is this in here? Okay. Read it. Some kind of weird sounds right here. Yeah, I know. It was amazing to hear Jeff get sentences out, like full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. Okay, here we go. 
Okay, so oh, is this the right thing? Where yeah, there's the tab, tabs on the bottom. Go to the Deep Space Nine oh, tab on the bottom. There we go. Go down to the bottom. Oh, he already has it set up for us. Look at this. Oh, and Dave gives us a 9.8. Would you look wow. at that? Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, we'll start with me. I'm going to give it an 8.8. Real. What do you give this episode? Let's I'm, gonna, I'm giving it a 7.5. 7.5. 5. Ashley. 10. 10 for Ashley. Kevin. Nine. Nine. And we don't know what Lieutenant Commander Worf. 7.5. Is that what you're giving it? Okay. Ashley, do you have ratings for the assignment or nor the battle to the strong? Which one? Which episodes were those? Okay, uh, the assignment was I'm trying to remember. One sec. Oh, the assignment's the one where where Keiko goes crazy because she's got the oh, pop right. in her. Oh yeah, eight and a half. Eight and a half for that one. Yay! And then uh, let's ignore uh, the battle to the strong is. Let's see what episode that was. That, oh, that's the episode where Jake and Bashir are like, oh, right. you know, you know, on, oh, you know, on a medical. Come, remember team. all that awkward Jake running. Seven. Oh, Jake. <laughs> the set. Okay. And the guy holding his guts in. <laughs> I don't want to die with my face in the dirt. <laughs> I don't want to die with my face in the dirt. I'm a man on a mission. Get out of my way. Did you guys enjoy the lack of sound clips tonight? <laughs> we got to hear you have a complete thought. Right. Um, I, I think you um, you got uh, sound clips replaced by um, Worf monologues. <laughs> I, I it was more like improv. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, uh, the Worf improv. I, I, I had to mute my, my mic. I was cracking up so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was funny. Um, he he was right. War, you know, the wharf is very funny, especially um, quite amusing. The, quite amusing. Quite amusing quite. with the TNG crew specifically. Yes. Um, okay, so that I think that's it for this episode. But we do have some other things to plug. Ooh, um, plug, plug. Okay, so uh, I believe on Mondays they do eight a prize at eight. Kevin, how's that going? It's it's going. It's, yeah, uh, it's a show. Long, is it a long road? Uh, it's uh, not as long. It's getting better. It is getting better. They promised me the show was going to get better, and it, it's happening. Getting from there to here, it's getting. Yeah, better. I, I wasn't a big fan of this latest episode, but uh, all right. Well, maybe yeah. one day you'll, you'll touch the sky. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, also, here on Live Long and Podcast, we have Star Trek Radio Theater. We just completed one with. Uh, Discovery Zone, Michael Chan. We uh, we also had YouTube's uh, Star Trek star Steve Shives. Um, he 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 joined us. What episode did we do? What was it called? Hide, Hide and Q. Hide and Q from season one. Go back and uh, check that out. It was a lot of fun. If you enjoy, we kind of do all sort of wacky voices and we reread the episode, and it's a lot of fun. And we kind of. 
you know, we, we do our own quirky thing with it. And it's, you know, just throw it in your ear whenever you're working or you're, you're hanging around the house because I think you'll be cracking up the way we were cracking up tonight with Worf. It's kind of, you know, Davin Skelcorn, uh, you know, he, he joins us sometimes. Jamil's on it sometimes. You know, we all come on and, uh, you know, have some fun. But that's about once a month. Um, anything else I'm forgetting on Live Long and yep, Podcast? Thursday yeah, nights, Thursday nights we've got Star Trek Discovery. Right. Um, and Picard, the first episode of Picard came out. So right. that was just done by Jody and Davin. And there's also Star Trek Prodigy. Yes, which is currently is on hiatus. Currently um, on will, hiatus. Um, it will finish off its first season later on this year. Yeah, and then Strange New Worlds will be coming. Yeah, Star Trek. The, oh, right, Strange New Worlds. Will yeah. Be uh, so that's a lot of episodes, a lot of shows that we're that covering. Um, Star Trek Picard. I have caught up on the first episode. Is when's the second episode there? Is that on Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Okay, so that'll be, that'll be good. Um, oh, we have a comment here. <laughs> you haven't heard Radio Theater Damn. until you put it in the original Klingon Worf. Well, that's true. Thank you, Worf. Commander. Commander. Lieutenant Commander. He's got to do Worf on the next Radio Theater. I think that's already been established. Well, next um, ep- episode is um, Darmok. Darmok. Darmok yeah. in, yeah. in April, April 5th. Yes. So yes. For um in tribute of first contact day. Um that's the next one is um is um Darmok. <laughs> um <laughs> just check out uh, on Thursday Dave should have like a a version of the the sheet and the players um all figured out and everything like that. Does anyone know who's playing who? It hasn't been cast. Not yet. So, no. Dave, Dave, Dave already has it figured out, probably. Or if we would like. He started working on it, but we don't have final final casting yet. Okay. So that's coming up. Um, then there's also another sister channel, um, Super Mater Brothers, right? Um, which reviews um, television shows, movies, and reality television. So in terms of reality television, we're in the thick of it right now. We're doing Big Brother Canada 10. Um, which currently airs on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, we uh, weren't able to do a Monday episode, so we'll have an um, extra special on a very special uh, Super Mater Brothers um, episode on uh, Wednesday, uh, recapping uh, the last two episodes, the one-on-one Monday and also Wednesday's upcoming episode. Um, and then um, we'll continue on on Thursday with the eviction. We'll figure out the schedule. Just stick to, to our channel with the exact times of when we're going to be airing. Additionally, this week we have Survivor, which is starting up this week, and we'll have an, an episode dedicated to Survivor and continue uh, reviewing um, Survivor each week on Wednesday. Um, but as I mentioned, the reality television portion, um, Super Mater Brothers also does television. So we've done the MCU from all the way from WandaVision up to the most recent um hawkeye including we also do the mcu movies we just did um no way home um we might do the batman if people watch it um and we have moon knight and doctor strange coming up right just around the corner um westworld when it comes back um yep. and um jeff and dave already did ozark um uh, part one and- 
part one and they're waiting for part two to to finish up the rest of that uh so check that out um additionally we have trivial debates which is um the last sunday of every uh, month and uh, where we have three debaters um um fight against each other in a, a battle of wits and wills um and last episode we had jeff um our host here host that um that debate where myself went against um, the most winningest champion, Jody. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> and uh, Max as well. Um, and this <laughs> this coming month, we'll have another... Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> Why are you posting that? <laughs> this month, uh, the debaters haven't been confirmed, nor the host. Uh, just keep track of it. We'll have more details about that. Um an other podcast related to us, we have um, um, Davin's um, Scalehorn, which is Chris, uh, sorry, Dave and Jeff's um, cousin. Yep. Um, he has Locutors of Trek. So please check that out. It's another Star Trek podcast. Um, very high level thinking, but still a whole lot of fun um, where there's different debates and different um, quizzes on. Um, takes a, a, a different look at Star Trek than what we typically do. Um, additionally, he has an X-Men, the animated series podcast called X-Rated, which was just recorded today. I was the special guest nice. for that episode. Uh, we did Till Death Do Us Part, Part 2, um, which is the second episode of the second season. Um, so please check out those two podcasts. Um, Dave's son... Um, has a podcast called Let's Talk About Fighting Games yeah. under the the um, his Alien. his name of uh, Sam Jerka, right? And he does it with other people whose um, tagline names I have no clue. Um, one of them was Paranoia, 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 and Super Smash Seths or something. Right. I don't know. Um, so That's they talk about either yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Michael Chan has his podcast called the Hellhounds of Horror. I don't remember what it is. Hellbound. Hellbound. Yes. Hellbound. With, with it's a horror British, podcast. Yes. It's a horror podcast where they talk about various horror properties um, featuring um, Radio Ooh. Theater Zone, Michael Chan. And right. that's it. Thank you, Jamil, for all those plugs. Um, yeah, so if you're interested in any of those things, you know, check the, those out. We're on YouTube, we're on Twitch, we're on Facebook. So we're we're everywhere that you can find your podcasts um, and and our, in our streaming shows. So that that's what we're here for. Uh, if you want, you know, to some content after you watch the show, we're here for you. That's what this channel, these channels, are all about. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining uh, me here for another episode of Nine Ish. Uh, it's it's been real. Until uh, next week, uh, we will be covering the episode, The Ascent. So that'll be fun. That is the episode. I don't remember what episode is this. Something. It's Odo again. Is it Odo? Oh, this. This is when Odo and Quark go to the planet and they have to, like, yeah, survive. It's just the survival episode with Odo and Quark. Yeah, it's pretty so fun. Pre prepare yourselves by um, listening to the Kelly Clarkson song, The Climb. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, or Enrique Iglesias, I'll Be Your Hero. Yeah. You know, either one of those songs <laughs> is appropriate for this next episode. Would you um, climb if I told you to climb? <laughs> okay. 
Okay, guys. All right. So uh, until next time, we say live long and podcast. Good night, everybody. Oh, thank you. <laughs>